VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. I want to thank all of you for your unbelievable support over the past three years for helping to make this show so well known throughout the world for a show that cares about people with disabilities. And what an honor it is today. You're going to love this show. You're so lucky you're listening today. It's going to be a treat for all of our listeners to talk to the former Acting Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Equal Employment, a nationally recognized consultant and speaker, a champion for all Americans with disabilities, a great friend of mine that I still refer to as Chairman Claiborne Douglas Houghton, Jr. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you know why I still refer to you as Chairman, don't you? Tell me, Joyce. I have to tell this story first before we start. I must tell this story. I had the great honor and privilege of meeting Clay many, many years ago. I think it was around 1998 that I met Clay. And I met Clay because I was asked by Tony Quello to be on the executive board of the President's Committee on Employment of People with Disabilities. And, of course, all of you listening to the show know that I also have epilepsy, and that's why I was asked to be on this board because of my work in employment. So anyway, oh, I was so excited, and then I got to meet this other person on the board, Mr. Clay Houghton, Jr., and then they asked us, you know, Tony told us we were going to be on a little committee together with a group of people, and I'll never forget this. When I'm sitting in a room with Mr. Clay Houghton, and as he's talking to everyone, he says, and Madam Co-Chair, what do you think? And you know what? It took me a few minutes to know he was talking to me. But that's just how it is with Mr. Clay Houghton. So, Clay, before we talk about your new company, which you are also the founder and CEO of the Houghton Group that I want everyone to know about, how about for our listeners throughout the world, how did you first get involved in the disability community? Well, let me say at the outset, Madam Chairperson, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you um, for this wonderful opportunity to speak to your listeners on your relevant and timely radio show, Disability Matters. In my judgment, you are a true champion and freedom fighter for the 54 million Americans with disability, and I am very proud and honored to work with you and to have you as a dear and cherished friend. And now to your question. How did I first get involved with the disability community? Well, Joyce, let me approach this from a personal perspective. I was born into the disability community. Mm -hmm. I'm an African-American who was born in 1945 on a plantation with cerebral palsy, blindness in one eye. I grew up in a Jim Crow segregated Louisiana. Uh, I was awarded the London Orphanage Home for 12 years before I was successfully reunited with my family. And, Joyce, I had to wear leg braces and exercise five nights a week to build stamina. I wore Coke bottle glasses that were so thick that when I looked at a map, I could see people waving at me in Podunk, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> but, Joyce, while I was in that orphanage, I noticed that when employers came to hire so-called temporarily able-bodied young black men, to do the menial and hard labor, 
I was always passed over. And I was reminded often that without even being given a fair chance that I was not strong enough for these jobs or even to play team sports due to my disabilities. And so during my childhood, I had the opportunity to only settle for working as a shoeshine boy and standing on the sidelines. But let me add, I was very good at shining shoes. You know, I learned about the power of excellence. Dr. King told us, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo carved marble, Shakespeare wrote poetry, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lies a street sweeper who swept his job well. So I was a great shine boy and earned enough money to buy clothes, junk food, and go to the movies. But many of the boys, after graduating from high school, they went uh, directly into the military. You know, I tried with my disabilities to go into the military, and I was rejected. And so I didn't have this option. And lucky for me, when the state of Louisiana evaluated my poverty and disability, uh, they gave me a vocational rehabilitation scholarship. And I used that scholarship to go on to Dillard University in New Orleans, Louisiana. I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in biology. I thought I wanted to go to medical school. I didn't have any money. And with my grades, the only way I could have gotten into medical school would have been as a cadaver. Did you hear that, Joy? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I went looking for a job, and I found over 100 resumes in a nine-month period. I didn't one single job offer. I took a test for a management trainee job. I was told that I was overly qualified. <laughs> and so with this background of suffering, the slings and arrows of being African-American and disabled together, it became clear to me that there's no difference between being sent to so-called separate but equal schools because you're African-American or being sent to colonists because you have mental retardation and society believes that you will be better off with your own kind. I found that there's no difference between being forced to use segregated fountains and restaurants and bathrooms marked for color only because you're African-American or being denied the right to get into a restaurant or stay in a hotel because you use a wheelchair and you consider it a fire hazard. And I found that there's no difference between being denied the right to vote because you are African-American or being denied the right to vote because you have a disability and the polling place is inaccessible. And finally, there's no difference between being denied employment and advancement opportunities in the workplace because you are African-American or because you're blind or deaf or have cerebral palsy. All these things are discrimination. Separate is not equal. And so, therefore, we must struggle always to establish and sustain the basic human rights and civil rights of all Americans, and specifically for the 54 million Americans with disabilities, the largest minority group in America. And so I became a freedom fighter for African-Americans with disabilities and ultimately for all Americans and largely within the Department of Defense and the federal government at large. You're, you're, you just are overwhelming to me, Clay. And may I say that it is equally an honor to me to have you on the show, but and that I agree, by the way, with everything that you're saying, because I have found, Clay, that over 45% of my employees over the past several years are, in fact, minorities. Mm. And yet companies are telling me, frequently you'll hear companies say, you know, I want to fill these jobs, but I just can't find any minorities. And I say, well, look, I'm hiring minorities with disabilities. We don't put any special sign out, and they are all flying for these jobs. So what that tells me 
is there is not a gatekeeper. There is a gate screener. Well put. Someone is doing something that is not right. And may I say to all of you, remember, out of this vast majority of people unemployed in the United States, that minorities with disabilities are at the top of the group. It is not just, you know, if you're African-American and then you also have a disability or you're Hispanic and you also have a disability or Asian, whatever it is, that's double jeopardy. Then if you're a female, it's triple jeopardy. So, you know, that still exists. And, oh, I love that quote that you gave from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., because I have used that frequently when I've spoken to high school students with disabilities, and I tell them that, you know, no matter what your job is when you first start, you do that job the very best you can, whether you're at McDonald's, Kmart, or Shining Shoes, as you mentioned. But long-term, of course, you want to have a career like Mr. Clay Houghton. Hey, and Clay, just so everyone will understand, because you had an extremely, unbelievably successful career with the Department of Defense, would you mind explaining to them what your job was at the Department of Defense? And if I'm correct, you were there over 35 years, correct? Uh, yes, Joyce. Uh, that, that's a very good follow-up question to, to, to get back uh, to my story. You see, uh, as I said earlier, despite uh, all the disappointments, I kept looking for a job. I kept sending out all these resumes. I, 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 I took a test for a management trainee uh, position. They told me I was overly qualified. And then somebody asked me, "Well, with all that disappointment, didn't you didn't you get discouraged?" I said, "No, I didn't get discouraged because somebody in that home uh, told me about Psalms 30 and 5 that weeping may endure it for a night, uh, but joy cometh in the morning." And so I was able to take the Federal Service Interest Examination after flunking it twice. Finally passed it. Got a job with DOD as a GS-5 trainee, and it was the only job offer uh, that I that I had. But you see, in that office, they told me that when you can turn disappointments into strengths, you will discover that achievements worth remembering are stained with the blood of diligence and etched with the scars of disappointment. And you will discover that personal trials and tribulations will only make you more sensitive and loving while building endurance and character. So I took that job as a GS-5 trainee. I moved five times to five different geographical lo- locations. I changed career fields. I got a master's in public administrations. And uh, 12 years later, became a GS-16 and a charter member of the Senior Executive Service. But I always did my best to perform in a posture of excellence. That was very, very important to me. And I never, never gave up. And most importantly, I never forgot who I was and uh, whose I am. And I never let anybody read my book by its cover in terms of my disabilities. And you know, Joyce, I was able to do this thanks to my faith and many kind mentors who helped me along the way. And when I would go back and say, well, thank you, what can I do for you in return? And they would say, Clay, just pass it on, pass it on. And so, Joyce, that's why I'm so delighted for this opportunity to be with you today, to pass it on and that's what your program is is doing is to pass on this kind of important information to all of your listeners and again i just commend you for an outstanding effort well thank you so much uh clay but i'll tell you what anyone listening to the show today clay houghton is the ceo of the houghton group and i just want to tell you this is someone you should contact this is someone you should get in touch with if you're having a conference and you're looking for a keynote speaker or if you just want 
uh, to bring on someone for motivational speaking or consulting at the management level. And, Clay, how would they reach you if they wanted to get in touch with you? Uh, thank you very much uh, for allowing me an, an infomercial, <laughs> a Joyce. Uh, my, my telephone number is 703-587-5496, and my email is h-a-u-g-h-t-o-n-c-d at a-o-l dot com. Now, we'll go over that again. We'll be right back. We're going to break for a minute with our guest, Mr. Clayton Houghton, founder and CEO of the Houghton Group, and really, disability leader throughout the United States. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. VoiceAmerica.com, your news talk information radio network. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show, and if you just joined us, what a great show it is today with Mr. Clay Houghton, who is the founder and CEO of the Houghton Group, but... Previously, 35 years with the Federal Department of Defense. I just want to mention that 23 of those years was as a member of the Senior Executive Service and really well-known throughout the United States and the world for the work he has done trying to provide equality 
for everyone, which includes people with disabilities. And, and Clay, I want to talk next about Commissioner Griffin, but before we do that, you know, you were mentioning before, you know, about this discrimination, you know, and how hard it is for African Americans, period, let alone for African Americans with significant disabilities or for people with significant disabilities. May I say, the one thing I'm so tired of hearing is, I'll go to talk to someone, and I'm telling you, African Americans have heard the same thing. I'll go to talk to someone, and this is what they'll say. Well, Joyce, you can send a resume of that person with a disability as long as they're qualified. <laughs> Why does that word always get attached to minorities and people with disabilities? Did you ever notice that, Clay? Of course, but you know, it, it, it's, it's something that uh, has been been used uh, in in the federal workplace and other places, no matter what. Um, the affirmative action debate dealing with the issue of, okay, we'll hire people, but they must be, you know, qualified. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just became a, a buzzword, but we need to just move it aside. We need to move it aside. Move it aside. I assure you, if I send them a white male from college, they're not going to say to me, well, make sure he's qualified. That's exactly right. So you and move that, that aside. the way it is. But anyway, Clay, a very wonderful person, great friend of mine, Commissioner Christine Griffin, who Yoshiko Dart Andy and Parado and so many of us really are looking up to is leading an effort to increase the employment of Americans with disabilities in the federal government after she was appointed by President Bush in the year 2005. And they had an investigation and found out the employment of people with disabilities in our own federal government had gone back over 23% over the past 10 years. She was so shocked when she first heard this that she thought they were wrong, but they weren't wrong, and they had a federal hearing at the EEOC Commission. As a matter of fact, I was one of the witnesses for a best practice example, and it was so shocking to everyone that they had to have two overflow rooms, the most people that ever attended an EEOC meeting, and it was about how our own federal government, has declined in the employment of Americans with significant disabilities. Is that shocking to you, Clay? And what do you think we can do to improve in that area? Let me first say, Joyce, I commend you for that great testimony. I I read it with great interest and reward. Now, this is an excellent and involved question, so I'm going to take a little extra uh, time to uh, answer it. Now, while I'm, 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 I'm chagrined, I'm dismayed, uh, you should know that I'm, I'm, I'm really not uh, shocked. You see, I'm, I'm a student of history, and just like the Sankofa Bird of Africa, I believe that we must revisit our history to determine our future and to chart our destiny. Now, the reason for this backsliding is our federal government, uh, as I've told you before, is suffering from what I call the illusion of inclusion, and that's a condition you get when you rest on past laws. Now, on the one hand, we need to be very honest and candid that we've made great progress. And on the other hand, we still have far to go. Now, let me first address progress. Uh, For example, it's significant that 125 years after the passage of the Emancipation Proclamation, 70 years after the ratification of the 19th Amendment making voting for women a matter of right, and some 26 years after the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, our nation at long last passed the landmark 1990s Americans with Disabilities Act, or the AD, uh, which, as you know, is intended to empower and to provide access, jobs, and justice for these 54 million Americans, too many of whom for too long had been locked out and uh, shut out. 
and in the 16 years of uh, since since the signing of the ADA, I think our country is moving in the right direction. People with disabilities more than ever are appearing on in large numbers on city streets, at ball parks, games, movie theaters, concert audiences, schools, colleges, and libraries, buses, trains, and planes, and yes, on the job. Uh, yeah, the ADA has helped to take many people with disabilities off the welfare rolls and into jobs as productive and tax-paying citizens. Now, since I'm a retired member of the Defense Department family, uh, permit me a, a, a small infomercial. And uh, I'm going to talk about these three DOD flagship programs because I think it makes us a leader, but I think others can learn from the example in the federal government in terms of progress. First is the DOD 2% goal. Uh, and that might seem low to a lot of people, but when you recognize that there's less than a 1% representation in that federal workforce, getting to double that uh, is not a bad initiative and, and target to achieve. And second, to achieve that goal, uh, the DOD has the Computer Accommodation Program. And this program uh, provides effective technology training and services at no cost to the requesting organizations for any employee with a disability throughout DOD and now in more than 50 federal partner agencies. And the program allows individuals with disabilities to acquire things like interpreters, readers, and personal assistance. And so DOD, with that program, has taken away the excuse from any manager or supervisor who would say, I would hire a person with a disability, but I can't afford the accommodation. That's not true anymore. And so today the DOD has made some 40,000 purchases to liberate employees with disabilities in the workplace. And thirdly, this is a very important program. Uh, DOD co-sponsors with the Labor Department, the government-wide workforce recruitment program for college students with disabilities. And this program specifically provides summer work experiences, in some cases full-time employment for college students with uh, disabilities. And college students from all over the nation uh, are recruited for, for this program. And each year, I'm very proud that the Office of Secretary of Defense specifically funds a minimum of 200 students. Summer jobs throughout the program and all of our activities uh, nationwide. And to date, DOD has employed some 200,000 students in this program. Many of them uh, have been ret retained. And so, yes, Joyce, thanks to countless dedicated men and women of all races, persons with disabilities, and temporarily able-bodied people, we've made a lot of progress. But uh, on the other hand, despite our progress, uh, we still have far to go and serious work to do in the vineyards before sunset. As I said earlier, we have work to do because, again, too many people are mesmerized by the illusion of inclusion. I'm going to make that a topical uh, statement because when you rest on past laurels, that's what happens. You forget that you have less than a 1% representation of people with targeted disabilities in the federal government workforce. And now, as you point out, a 23% decline. You know, that's abysmal. And it's exacerbated by the fact that the federal government has been required to provide equal opportunity for people with disabilities under the 1973 Rehabilitation Act for some 30 years. And I'm especially concerned about this decline in the Department of Defense where you can become disabled in defense of America. So, Joyce, the related question is, how does this happen in our federal government? when it's supposed to be a model employer for Americans with disabilities. 
And I think it happens because this illusion of inclusion is augmented by a profusion of confusion. Joyce, you want me to tell you what that means? Yes, yes. Repeat that, please. Yes, that, 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 that the illusion of inclusion is augmented by the profusion of inclusion. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by this is, you know, I, I, I visit these federal agencies all over this country, and I ask, well, who do you think is most responsible? And uh, the EEO officers tell me the human resource officers. I visit the human resource officers, and they tell me the EEO officers. And then I visit their bosses, and they tell me their EEO officers and their human resource officers. And, you know, it reminds me of a story about four people named anybody, everybody, somebody, and nobody. You see, Joyce, this is a story about four people, you know, named anybody, everybody, somebody, and nobody. That was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that somebody would do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. That's that profusion of confusion, Joyce. Yes, amen. You see, so, so, so that primary responsibility has to rest with that agency here, secondly with every manager and supervisor, and then with all of us. And so I think the federal government must reverse this trend. I think the president needs to send out a clarion call and through the EELC to all federal agencies to move swiftly to address this problem. And since the Congress, as you can hear, is doing all these hearings on everything under the sun, I think we need to go up there and convince them to hold a hearing on what's happening to cause this decline in the federal government. And as a minimum, then, I think that all federal agencies ought to be uh, urged to, to, through the EEOC, is to look at these efforts uh, by the um, Department of Defense. And finally, I believe that uh, they need to work successfully with companies like yours, best practices companies, companies that's got a 90% placement rate with for people with disabilities and and take that particular technology and initiative to work in the federal government and i i just think that is just so important and finally i do believe now it's very important that we never leave out the responsibility of people with disabilities in this expanding circle of inclusion you see, as Douglas Mallet says, if you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, be a shrub in the valley, but be the best little shrub by the side of the real. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, then just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star, for it isn't by size that you win or you fail, be the best of whatever you are. And so in my words, it's not enough for people with disabilities to bang on that door, to equality of opportunity, shouting, let us in, and then when the door opens, you say, wait a minute, I have to go and get my bags. you got to be ready. Mm. with bags of knowledge, science, math, politics, computer skills, interpersonal skills. And whenever that door was a small crack, step in, take charge, achieve, and aspire, because stopping at third base will add no more score to the score than striking out. Oh, Clay, that is so profound, but that is so true, because I have been, a new message I have been speaking to everyone is, you know, I have people saying to me over and over again, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The unemployment rate is still sky high. What are we going to do? How are we going to get those jobs? What are we going to do? And I say, well, this is what I say. If they won't change, then you have to change. We have to be the change. We yes. have to make it happen. Yes. We can't wait till they do something. But please, let me say, when that door does open, do you hear what Mr. Houghton says? You be ready. Look at his success. Look at his success. But see, he was ready. 
He yes. was ready to go because there is nothing worse than screaming and having a temper tantrum and then when the door's open, not being ready to go. Right. You have to be ready to go. And I want to mention we have here a question from Jamie in Washington, D.C., emailed to us for you. First of all, congratulations, Mr. Houghton, for all the wonderful things you have done to help Americans with disabilities. It is an honor to have you on this show and for me to be able to ask you a question. My question is, what advice would you give to young professionals with disabilities disabilities just beginning their careers, Jamie. Well, Jamie, thank you for the compliment, and Jamie, I want you to uh, specifically uh, stay tuned, because I know we're coming up on a break, and I plan to address that uh, question uh, at the next available opportunity. All right, and, and we will. As soon as we come back from break, that yeah. will be my first question, but before we go to break again, um, what at the Houghton Group. I know you speak. Uh, could you tell us more about what all you do for the Houghton Group? Uh, well, wait. Wait till we come back. We'll come back. Wait till we come back, and we'll talk about the Houghton Group and ask answer Jamie's question. Thank you. Right now, you've been listening to Mr. Clay Houghton, a leader in America for Americans with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. 
Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And if you're listening to the show today, I want you to tell all your friends about Mr. Clay Houghton, who is the founder of the Houghton Group, H-A-U-G-H-T-O-N, the Houghton Group. And I want to tell, I want you to tell all your friends, if you are in a disability community group, tell your friends what a great speaker he would be to have at your event. If you're a business, this is someone you should get in touch with. If you're the federal government, you definitely should get in touch with him as he had 35 years of experience with the Department of Defense in the equal employment area. And in addition to that, may I tell you, not only is he a person with a disability, he is a person with great ability. He is the real deal. He, and, and before I ask you this next question, one more time, Clay, for that website. Yes, that's uh, H-A-U-G-H-T-O-N-C-D at AOL.com. All right. And listen, I know Jamie has a question here. Before you answer that question, though, because I believe this would tie in. My question I wanted to ask you is, how important do you think it is for a person with a disability to have a mentor when they first start working? Uh, Jamie's question was, what advice would you give young people with disabilities just starting their career? Uh, this is an area, Joyce, that's close to my heart. And, Jamie, the first thing I would say is to, to, to get a mentor and later on be a mentor. You know, I'm a serious proponent of mentoring, especially in the disability community. And so we, we, we got to ask the question, who is a mentor? A mentor is a lawyer, advisor, and coach. A mentor is someone with influence. A mentor is a sounding board. A mentor is someone who opens doors for you, doors you cannot open on your own. And this new diversity reality, we have to embrace Adam and Eve and rainbow mentoring. And what I mean by that is this mentoring uh, effort must include men and women mentoring each other, people of color and white people mentoring each other, and specifically with people with disabilities mentoring each other and people with disabilities and temporarily able-bodied people mentoring each other. And one of my uh, mentors, as you've heard, was the Honorable Tony Quillo, uh, who appointed me uh, and you, Joyce, uh, to the executive board of the former president's committee on the employment of people with disabilities. I learned so much from him, from him. And one of the things I learned was if you see a turtle sitting up on the fence, you know, she didn't get there by herself. And what it means is those of us who are so-called making it, we must never forget where we came from. We must reach back and pull others up to where they belong to expand the circle of inclusion for people with uh, disabilities. So, Jamie, directly to you, you I think you need to really go and, and seek out yourself a mentor, but make sure it's the right choice and make sure that it's a person who can be helpful and that it's a person who can be either temporarily able-bodied or a person with disabilities, but I would uh, encourage you to get both. And finally, Joyce, I'm aware and applaud uh, your efforts since 1999 to support the Federal Disability Mentoring Day effort. And I'm proud of playing a role to implement that program in the DOD. But let me add specifically, I give you kudos for your pioneering and sustaining efforts to give Disability Mentoring Day uh, a, a really, really important place outside the Washington, D.C. Uh, area. Well, thank you, Clay. Yes, when I met Clay, I had six employees. And since that day, I'm in 13 states, two provinces of Canada, and hired, hired over 300 people with significant disabilities. Isn't that and I want to tell you that when I was first appointed, Tony Quello is my mentor still to this day and my very close friend, and I know he thinks so highly of 
play, and if he's listening right now, you know, Tony, we're like the Tony Fuller fan club That's of right. yours. May <laughs> I say that? But I want to tell you that when I joined that President's Committee, I walked in there and I thought, oh, my goodness, look at these people. Former Congressman Tony Quello, Clay Houghton with his high-level position. And you know what? It was Clay Houghton who made me feel welcome from the first day and who will always be my friend from that day on. That's why I said he's the real deal. You know how we know so many people that aren't, hey, listeners, he is the real deal. Thank you, John. But Clay, unfortunately... There we worked all those years talking about people getting hired. Oh, that was our big topic it, it, all the time at the President's Committee. As you know, says Tony is the author of the ADA, how strongly he feels about this. Yet here we are, still a 65% unemployment. Imagine, I always tell people when I speak, now here in the United States we have 5% unemployment. Imagine if I told everyone we have 65% unemployment, we would be in a depression. How long will it take in the federal and private sector, in your opinion, Clay, to see a change occur in this area? And furthermore, do you consult with corporations and with federal agencies if they need help in this area? Joyce, uh, it's a waste of ability and economic strength that 35% of Americans with disabilities are unemployed. And I might add, the majority of Americans with disabilities who do work and have a potential for promotion in the workplace, still suffering from what I call the sticky floor syndrome. And what I mean by that, they're stuck so far at the bottom that they can't see, touch, or even contemplate shattering this so-called glass ceiling. So I'm afraid that if we do not redouble our efforts, it's going to take a long time because the greatest barrier in 2007 that people with disabilities face is the reality, the painful reality that we're still looked upon as less than complete persons. Mm-hmm. You see... Too many employers are still unaware of people with disabilities' potential. They still think that if you can't dress yourself, hear a telephone ring, or read a legal brief, that you cannot work. They still fall victim to these age-old stereotypes. Blind people make good piano tuners. Deaf people work best in print shops. People who use wheelchairs need jobs where they never have to move. And so when confronted with information, why in the heck do you think they put the wheels on the chairs? Some of these are easily countered, but they still have some others that are so not so easily countered. People with disabilities are guilt-producing. If he or she gets hurt on the job, I will be responsible. Uh, you know, people with disabilities uh, are, are, are just going to be a burden on society. And so many of these negative attitudes are still operating in the employment processes of the federal government and the private sector today. And the truth of the matter is the large majority of people with disabilities want to work. We have the ability to do so. And with the reasonable accommodations, we can do these jobs. But unfortunately, despite studying after studying on the merits of hiring people with disabilities, our opportunities and progress are still shackled by the chains of negative attitudes, inaccessibility, and discrimination in the workplace. And uh, therefore, in the words of that four-time Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Robert Frost, we still have promises to keep and miles to go before we sleep to expand the circle of inclusion for people with disabilities in the workforce. So we cannot and we can't and we must not rest on our laurels. And yes, uh, Joyce, my company, we have the uh, capabilities to speak on and consult with companies and federal agencies in all of uh, the areas that we're speaking about. And I, for one, will tell you, if you're listening to the show, We've all got to work together. See, we I just was at the AAPD Gala, which is just so fantastic, the AAPD Gala 
and I'm proud to be on the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities. And well, well, Joyce, is that the one that gives the $50,000 prize? Pardon me? Is that the one that gives the $50,000 yes. prize? Yes. Oh, my. And I, I just love that group, and I'm on the board now. And, and, and we just had our gala the other evening. Mark Johnson is the winner this year of the Betts Award. Outstanding. And, and, that, and, and they're also our Hearn Award winners. So the next day we had a board meeting, and so many of us, including Judy Uman, who was there, and Ted Kennedy, Jr., yes. so many people were saying, what the heck is it? What is it? Why aren't they hiring people with disabilities? Because one of the uh, Hearn Award winners, Taikia Wright, young African-American woman who had muscular dystrophy, was talking about how she had to start her own company because no one would hire her, even though she has a master's degree. And as Judy Newman said, okay, now, you know, we heard this story 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. This is only a few years ago. This isn't changing. Mm. What's the problem? Mm. And I have to say that I agree with Clay that they look at people and they feel they are inferior and unable to do the job. So if you're listening to the show, we're all in this together. We have to work together. Tell everyone you know about Clay Houghton, the founder and CEO of the Houghton Group, because, folks, we need all the help we can get. And, Clay, with your consulting company, what do you hope to achieve over the next several years? Well, Joyce, since we all have this responsibility and this struggle to to expand the circle of inclusion for Americans with disabilities, uh, I, I have an ambition to go all over uh, this nation and speak on behalf of Americans with disabilities. You know, I want to do that at national conferences, agencies, state and federal local organizations. I'm available for consulting and training uh, programs because I think this is it's just so important uh, that we, we bring back a focus uh, in America on this this problem because our progress is is deteriorating uh, quickly and we're going to have to be vigilant and get back on the case. Yes, vigilant is the word indeed. Um, and, and Clay, I want to talk about something for a moment here um, before we go to break, and that is as you're listening to the show today, and you're hearing how this man overcame so many things in his life to get such a successful career and still is out there speaking for people with disabilities. Am I not correct? Was there not a library named after you? Uh, that That's correct, Joyce. And, uh, you know, I am uh, very thrilled uh, to talk about that uh, with a great deal of humility. Now, uh, this library is a new 15,000-volume facility located at the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, or DIOMI, as it's called by acronym. Uh, DIOMI is located at uh, Patrick Air Force Base in Florida. It's the largest equal opportunity training program in the world. Uh, the need for DIOMI was identified as a result of the violent and nonviolent disorders of the 1960s. It was established in 1971 to enhance combat readiness by fostering positive human relations throughout the Department of Defense. And so to accomplish this mission, DIOMI trains members of the armed forces, including the Coast Guard, National Guard, and Reserve, as well as DOD civilians. Thousands of people have been trained, and they advise their commanders on EO matters at the organizational level, and it has gained international attention as the, the 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 unique institution of higher education devoted to human resource and equal opportunity matters. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to have 
policy oversight and staff supervision over Geoma at critical and strategic times during its history. And so I'm extremely proud, humbled, and grateful to have the, the library dedicated in my honor. It's right up the street from Cape Canaveral, uh, Florida, and uh, I think anybody who wants to go will enjoy uh, a tour of the Diomi uh, facility. And could you spell that for our listeners? Yes, that's the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, and the acronym is D-E-O-M-I, Diomi. Named after our guest today, Mr. Clay Houghton. What a great honor that is. We'll be right back after this break. You've been listening to a great American who is fighting for equality for all of us, Mr. Clay Houghton. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability does matter on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender. And welcome back to the show, and we have had 
such a great show today with Mr. Clay Houghton, the founder and CEO of the Houghton Group. But remember, 35 years with the Federal Department of Defense in the Senior Executive Service working as Assistant Deputy in the Equal Employment Area, widely known uh, for his work and a great speaker uh, just doing so much to try to help us. I wanted to ask you a couple last questions, sure. Clay. One is this. Minorities face the greatest discrimination in the area of employment. As a matter of fact, for minorities with significant disabilities, it is absolutely the worst of all groups. Could you talk about that for a minute? Uh, you know, Joyce, this is a persistent systemic problem because by some estimates today, almost... 75 to 80 percent of African-American Hispanics with severe disabilities are unemployed. And they suffer what I, from, from what I call the double whammy of discrimination based on race, ethnicity, and disability. And so we've got to shine a light and specifically address the issue of race, ethnicity, and disability in every policy decision and program that impacts the 54, Americans, 54 million Americans with disabilities. You know, see, for example, in the federal a workforce, they got all these programs uh, for women, people of color, uh, with disabilities, uh, and, and they don't address the point that people with disabilities fall within all of those categories. And you can recall that Tony Quello uh, made this a priority uh, for the uh, former president's committee uh, on employment of people with disabilities to deal with. He went out and and uh, got money for the NAACP and other uh, minority organizations to help uh, deal with this issue. So we got to revitalize and expand these kinds of programs and leave no stone in turn because we are nothing until the least of us is something. You are so right, and I know this is a fact because listen to me, everyone listen to the show. I do volunteer work and have for six years now for high school students with disabilities, teaching them about the world of work. And I do this for a school district in uh, Pennsylvania and for one in Delaware. I can't do this all the time because, of course, I'm you know running Bender Consulting Services and Bender Consulting Services of Canada and have this radio show. But let me tell you what, every time I go to a class, all these people come in with disabilities, and the majority are frequently with significant disabilities, minorities, who have been left out. They have been left out. And we really need to bring attention to this. We really need to bring attention to this. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, people who are working diversity in different areas will. But, see, we have that problem. What is that called, Clay, that anybody, somebody... No, everybody, somebody, anybody, yeah, and nobody. That's the problem. You go to <laughs> that's right. HR, they say, oh, no, go to diversity workforce. Go to diversity workforce, they say it's a problem with the managers. Go to the managers, just what Clay said earlier. They send you somewhere else. And that is why the reason that I have been successful and I am very honored to be working with great companies like Highmark, Bayer, yes. WellPoint, Computer Sciences Corporation, um, and with the National Security Agency and Department of Homeland Security and just, you know, I could go on and on, the MGM Mirage in Las Vegas, so many great companies. But let me tell you this, when I have the commitment from the top, it happens. That's right. When I don't, it's extremely hard. That's right. That is why we need to get the top involved even in the federal government. That's right. So, Clay, a qu these last two questions I ask every guest for the past three years. And by the way, remember, listening to the show today, if you want to tell your friends to listen to this show, it is archived 
on voiceamerica.com and on vendorconsult.com, as are all the other shows from the past three years. And, Clay, you'll be happy to know that this is real-time caption for all of our friends from the deaf community. Oh, that's wonderful. But my question is, you have, oh, my goodness, you've accomplished so much in your life. So many great awards, a a library even named after you. Of all of these things that have happened, what are you the proudest of today? Well, George, to be candid with you, with uh, Uncle Rheumatoid Arthritis now making daily visits uh, to my other disabilities from birth, I am so proud to just be alive and with struggle and with thanksgiving still be able to put on my socks and be able to tie my shoes. And so just permit me a display of mild ego as I say, here I am 40 years later. After an accomplished 35-year federal career, Claiborne Hart, United States Department of Defense civilian, retired with a wonderful, supportive wife and family, recipient of the presidential rank of meritorious executive, two-time recipient of the DOD medal for distinguished service, president of my own company, and as you said, a library named in my honor. And although I have received many awards, I'm especially proud to have been honored with the Sacred Making of the King Holiday Award from Ms. Coretta Scott King and the Federal Holiday Commission and the coveted Justin Dart Award, the Justin Dart Achievement Award from the Honorable Tony Quello and the former President's Committee on the Employment of People with Disabilities. Bottom line for me is all glory belongs to God, and I'm truly blessed, and I hope you don't mind if I testify with the knowledge that God did not make any junk. We are nothing until the least of us is something. And I'm very proud, Joyce, to go to the gym one hour a week to work on my six-pack abs to look like Usher. (laughs) But, Joyce, the problem is my work hasn't taken yet. The only six-pack I have is in the refrigerator. (laughs) But I've lost a few pounds. And the moral is this. Never, 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 never give up. Keep on pushing. Well, let me say this, Clay, that... It is only by the grace of God I'm here alive today doing this radio show. So, you know, I'll tell you what, it is amazing to me the people that God brings into your life and that you meet, there is always a plan. Thank you. There is always a plan. And you you have, wow, you have done so much. It's unbelievable, all these great awards that you have. And you know, uh, Yoshiko, so you know, Yoshiko Dart yes. is still today working very hard to carry on the spirit of Justin Dart. And you and I are both very fortunate that in our lifetime that we that we knew Justin Dart. Uh, we sure are. He, he's a champion uh, and a father of the, the disability rights community. And uh, we miss him terribly. And we yes, need to we know that we stand on his shoulders and carry his legacy forward. What a man Justin Dart is, what he did. Uh, another, you know, when I talk about the real deal, this is what I always say about uh, Yoshiko. She is the real deal, Yoshiko Dart. She truly is as her husband was, and that is because when you get that passion, such as you have, Clay, and what I have, then it's not a job. You're like you're on a crusade. That's right. And I like that part you talked about, about giving back, because, you know, a lot of people forget. To, uh, there's a uh, song that I'm sure you know because it is a very well-known gospel in the African-American community, and it's called Taking Time to Look Back in Your Wagon. Right. (laughs) And so many people don't look back in their wagon, but, you know, we all have to remember that because we have to remember how hard it was for us to get where we are and then help someone out, just as you said. 
Right. And boy, have you helped out a lot of people, Clay. Well, thank you. And do you get to go very often, Clay, back to the Department of Defense? Uh, uh, yes, I do go to uh, installations by invitation all over the country, and I really enjoy uh, keeping them uh, at the forefront of this effort and reminding them that uh, their efforts are very, very important, especially in a department uh, where you can become disabled in defense of your country. Well, um, Clay, we have another question here from another listener from Virginia saying, um, Mr. Houghton, how can our government work to accommodate and reemploy returning wounded services members who have acquired disabilities so they can continue to work and be part of our society? Is there anything you think we can do to increase that effort Specifically, sign Peter. Yes, uh, Peter, that's a wonderful question. Norma Schwarzkopf said it doesn't take a hero to order men or women into battle. It takes a hero to be one of those men or women who goes into uh, battle. And I had the pleasure uh, on uh, 8 August 2006 to go down to uh, Fort Gordon and speak at a Wounded Warriors Conference that was devoted to uh, equipping wounded warriors when they come back to be able to go into the federal civilian uh, workforce. And uh, it was just a great conference because it was letting those wounded warriors uh, know uh, that they have now moved into a, a new community and uh, that the Department of the Army was willing to make sure that they got an opportunity to transition and get uh, some kind of consideration and real consideration uh, for employment uh, in the federal workforce after their time uh, uh, of duty in war. And uh, there was a great conference. The thing that I thought that it was falling short of was it talked about helping them get employment but it did nothing to make sure that they were guaranteed employment. And so what I want to leave with you is that we need an initiative for uh, uh, the federal government, and specifically for the Department of Defense, to give a priority consideration uh, to these 23,000 Americans who are returning home and can't go back, uh, who may not can go back into military service. And, Clay, what is your main message you wanted to leave with our listeners? And my main message is this. Uh, 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 the wonderful song, America the Beautiful, says, America, America, God has shed his grace on thee and crowned thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. And if God has indeed crowned America's good with brotherhood, then people with disabilities must be included in that brotherhood because we are not the children of a lesser God. Amen. And one last thing. When you see one of those jive lawbreakers who do not have a disability sticker and who's not disabled, tell them to stop parking in our spaces. Amen to that also. And, Clay, we always send with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and today it is from Mr. Clay Howden, who says, Let's not live under the myth of the illusion of inclusion. Says Mr. Clay Howden. Clay, thank you so much for being with us this week. It was an honor. And thank you, Joyce. It's been a real pleasure. Thank all you for right. We'll me. see you all next week on VoiceAmerica.com, where disability does matter with Joyce Bender. See you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters, right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.